you're listening to audio from Redwood Baptist Church. If you need any more information about us, go to www.redwoodbaptist.org. We hope and pray the message that you're about to listen to will strengthen you, encourage you, and make you more like Jesus. Blessings. Let me get set up here really quickly. So thankful that you're here this morning, being in your place. And uh, you can take your Bibles and turn to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. That's where we're going to look at. We're going to look at a verse there in Acts chapter 1. But before I begin this morning, um, I'd like to tell you a funny story that I heard a while ago that I told my wife who didn't think it was funny, okay? And so I'm going to make sure it is funny, so I'm going to try to say it to you, and hopefully your response won't be like my wife's response, all right? She's already deeming me as a guy that has dad jokes, and I'm not even a dad yet, okay? And so let me tell you this story that I thought was very funny when I heard it, and hopefully it'll be funny for you. Raise your hand if you've ever heard of Sherlock Holmes and Watson. Anybody? Sherlock Holmes and Watson? Yeah, Sherlock Holmes and Watson. Well, Holmes and Watson were on a camping trip after much liquid refreshment. They took some time to lay down for the night to go to sleep. Some hours later, Holmes wakes up to see the beautiful night sky filled with stars. So he wakes up Watson and says to him, Watson, look up at the sky and tell me, what do you see? Watson looked up at the sky and he began to reply to Holmes and he says, I see millions of stars. Holmes says to Watson, well, what does that tell you? Watson pondered for a minute, and then he began to wax eloquent, and he says, astronomically, it tells me that there are millions of galaxies and potentially billions of planets. Astrologically, I observe that Saturn is in Leo. Horologically, I deduce that the time is approximately a quarter past three. Meteorologically, I suspect that it will be a beautiful day tomorrow. After he was done, he looked over at Holmes and says, well, what does it tell you? Holmes replied, Watson, you idiot, somebody has stolen our tent. (laughs) Let's move on from that. Let's get right into Acts, okay? If you still need to know about it later, I'll tell you it again because I like that story, all right? So Acts chapter 1, let's look here at verse number 8 in your Bible. It's not going to be on your screen, so let's look at the Bible. If you have your electronic device, it'll be there as well. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. The Bible says this, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and and, in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. I want you to say this line, and ye shall be witnesses. Say that together, ready? And ye shall be witnesses. I'm excited to start today a three-week series called Sharing Jesus, getting personal with evangelism, getting personal with evangelism, sharing Jesus. We've been looking over the last couple of weeks in the book of Mark. We've entitled it Jesus. Now we're going to talk, entitle this one Sharing Jesus, okay? And personal evangelism is modeled throughout the scriptures as believers embrace the call to preach the gospel to all people. See, personal evangelism is the practice of a one-on-one conversation about Jesus. And as we read here in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, we see the apostles receive the Holy Ghost and they become witnesses of Jesus. And throughout the book of Acts, 
We see the first century church spread the gospel of Jesus Christ in the midst of pain, persecution. And yet these brothers and sisters in Christ, our brothers and sisters in Christ, got personal with evangelism. Okay? I know evangelism sometimes is a scary word amongst the culture today because there is some radical evangelism. There's all these different types of evangelism. But what we're talking about here this morning is our gospel call to share the good news of Jesus. And so here's the thing. I'd like to challenge you to read the book of Acts. Read the book of Acts and see the power of the Holy Spirit work in and through the brothers and sisters in Christ in the first century church. And you will see a people taking the personal responsibility of sharing Jesus. But for many Christians here today, myself included, sharing Jesus is a daunting task. And if we're all honest, this is something we all struggle with. It can be uncomfortable, and sometimes it can be scary and awkward. It's easy to talk to other believers about Jesus, right? It's that easy to come here to church, to people we know, people who have the same faith, who are like in the same like-mindedness. It's easy to express Jesus. It's easy to be, uh, give Jesus praise. It's easy to be excited about Jesus when we're amongst Jesus' people. But it is scary sometimes when we're not. We find confidence in speaking about Jesus with people whose lives have also been changed by Jesus, right? But the, the reality is this, but we're not called to reach those who believe. We are called to reach those who don't believe. Okay? We're called to reach those who don't believe. And in a recent LifeWay study, it showed that 61% of evangelical Christians have not told a soul about Christ in the previous six months. And that out of eight attributes of growing believers, sharing Jesus ranked at the bottom. Now, there are many things that attribute to these statistics, which we will hit some of them in the weeks to come. But for us this morning, I want you to be aware of two things. Number one, we have a mission. And number two, God is on the move. Number one, we have a mission. Number two, God is on the move. Say the first one with me. Ready? We have a mission. And number two, say the second one with me. God is on the move. Okay? We have these two things to remember. And yet this series is not made to guilt you in any way or to shame you for not taking your evangelism personally. This series is made for us to wake out of sleep, to embrace the mission God has given to each and every one of us. It is to refresh the weary soul and to recapture an idle heart back to the awe of the gospel. It is to see each relationship given to us by God with purpose and hope that one day they will come to know Jesus. It is to see our passions come in partnership with God's mission. It is to become what the second birth produces, and that is unashamed, bold witnesses of Jesus. That's what the second birth produces. That's what salvation produces. So this morning, as we begin this series, Sharing Jesus, today's message is called Part 1, Embracing Our God-Given Mission. Embracing Our God-Given Mission. So point number one, if you're taking notes this morning, we have to understand this as we embrace our God-given mission. God created us for his glory to further his gospel with gifts, talents, and opportunities he gave 
to us. See, when God saved you, he saved you with a purpose in mind. He saved you with intention. Uh, He saved you with an intention. He saved us for a mission. He saved us to become witnesses, to be his ambassadors, to be his mouthpiece, to herald the good news of Jesus. So if he called us to this, if he has made us for this, then we are built for this. He called us to this mission, so therefore we are built, we are equipped for the mission at hand. Matthew 4.19 says, And he saith unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. We're built for this mission. I believe sometimes we think that we have to be at a certain level of our Christianity to be picked for this task at hand, or, or have certain qualities uh, to offer to get in the fight And yet, our God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things, okay? I remember when I was in fourth grade back in James Buchanan Elementary School in Levittown, Pennsylvania, okay? Recess was my best class, uh, and besides lunch. And uh, I remember everybody would look forward to recess because we would play this awesome game called kickball. Anyone play kickball? Yeah, kickball? Were you good at kickball? Raise your hand if you were good. All right, okay, maybe. Everyone loves playing kickball. Kickball was the game, the most popular game during recess, and everyone wanted to play. See, everyone wanted to play, but not everybody was chosen. We went through a rigorous process, right, of picking who would be on what team. They would line everybody up, and then they would begin to pick. But but one thing was for certain. Nobody wanted to be picked what? Last, okay? That rigorous process of choosing made by fourth grade kids included criteria that ranged from athletic ability to popularity to friendship and sometimes the person you liked, okay? And so we would go through that rigorous process. Nobody wanted to pick last. It was almost almost humiliating to wait and to wait and to wait to see if you offered anything. But God doesn't work like that. God doesn't line us up and begin to choose who can and who can't reach people with the gospel. God sends no one to the sidelines. We just choose to stay there. God wants us in the game. And I believe God wants us in the game this morning. I believe God wants us to engage with the people that he has given to us, relationships that he has given to us. I believe God wants us to shed the love of God to them, the gospel. 2 Corinthians 2, 1 through 5 says this, Brothers, when I came to you, this is Paul speaking, I did not come with superior speech or wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. Verse 2, For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. My speech, my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in the demonstration of the spirit and of the power, so that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. See, Paul was used in a mighty way, not because he was a great order or some good-looking guy, praise God for that, but because he has a mighty and amazing God. We have to understand that we cannot place our abilities against God's mission and say, you know what, maybe I, I can't do this, I can't do this. No, God has called each and every one of us, and who he calls, he equips to do the mission. You're built for it. You were made for this. See, God's plan A for the world is you and I. God does not have a plan B. We've got to understand that. I think sometimes even in my own Christianity, there's been times where I've been 
I've acknowledged this call to personally evangelize people, to to come one-on-one in conversation and in friendship. I've always acknowledged that, but guess what my thought then began to say? Well, there's other people better at than me, so I just let them do that. I got to work on these other things. So let let the good people that are really good at it do it, and then God's work will, will happen. The thing is, is that God created you. And if you've been saved, he's made you for the mission. He wants to use you. He wants to use your uniqueness, your abilities, your gifts. And here's the thing. It's not because we are anything special, but because our God is special. God's master plan to redeeming the world is sitting right here in the room right now. Take a moment, look around you right now. Look at each other. Uh-huh, there you go. Ooh, look at that. Plan A right there. Plan A everywhere. That's it, plan A. Each and every one of us in this place are uniquely wired. We all have different talents, abilities, and personalities, and yet God wants to use them. God wants to use them. It is great that there is a diversity of giftings. Most of us do not have the same relationships or friends. We have been given different friendships and people to love and to reach. See, when we get to know each other, we find out that, you know, we're really not exactly the same. And that's okay. That's awesome. You know, I've come to know that Mrs. Dalton uh, and the Daltons overall are very good musically. That's one of the things they like. Yet that's one of their bridges. That's one of their ways that God can use to speak to someone who's a musically gifted person about the gospel. That's a bridge right there that God wants to use. Brother Fifield, he's in video game production. That's pretty awesome. I'm not very good at video games. My wife is very good at video games. And yet, Brother, Brother Fifield has this ability to communicate with those who love video games. He's on that same level. He sees that. He knows how to engage that way. God has gifted him in that, in that area to use it for the gospel. There's giftings that each and every one of you have that God wants to use, partner together with the mission. And God doesn't want you to put away the talents he's giving. God doesn't want you to hide those things. God wants you to bring them up as you merge them together with the mission of Jesus Christ. One of the encouraging things I love about the Bible is this, that God uses people to reach people. God uses people to reach people. Romans 10, 14, how then shall they call on him in whom they've not believed? How shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? How shall they hear without a preacher? This should be encouraging to us, exciting to us, that God uses transformed people to transform people. 1 Peter 2.9, but ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. We have been chosen for the task, and since we have been chosen, we will be equipped. There is no one in here that God can't use to reach somebody. You're in the game. You've been chosen. Gospel opportunities are everywhere. And guess what? Until Jesus come, they're endless. We don't run out of lost people. (laughs) They're everywhere. And yet for me, when I was looking at this message, this series, this is something God's really been impressing upon my own heart. This is the mission. The mission of Jesus continues through us. See, the mission of Jesus hasn't stopped and God is still on the move. 
Luke 19.10, let me give you some verses here as we get into the next point. Luke 19.10, for the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. Luke 10.2, therefore he saith unto them, the harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. Mark 16.15, and he said unto them, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. We have a mission. God is on the move. The way God uniquely wired you, made you, gifted you, gave you talents and abilities, he wants to use that in the lives of others as we show them that we have been taken from darkness and that we've been uh, been transformed into the image of his son. So that's the first thing, that God has designed us for his glory to to spread the gospel. Number two, before we share the gospel with others consistently, we must share the gospel consistently with ourselves. 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4, this is where we find the gospel. Paul says, number one, moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel, which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and where ye and ye stand, by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory that I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. Verse 3, for I delivered unto you, first of all, that which also I received, how that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures. That is the gospel. The death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This is the good news. This is the message we share. See, Jesus died for our sins and was buried and rose again the third day. But let me ask you this question. How familiar are you with the message? With the message. That was kind of like a, a nice little surfacing about the gospel. Do we believe the gospel is deeper than deeper underneath that level? Yes, it is. It's very deep. But how familiar are you with the message? If you know me at all, you know that I love Apple products. I love Apple. Raise your hand if you have if you have an Android. Okay, I just have to love you in Jesus. I still have to do that, you know. <laughs> it's hard. We've had a bad year. Okay, I'm hoping we could resurge, get back on top. I love Apple, right? It's my favorite technology brand. And to be honest, I know a lot about it. I know a lot about it. But yes, it is. Yep. Thank you, Mama. I heard that. Holy Spirit amplified that over. She said, it's so sad. Yes, it is sad. Man, I watch things on YouTube where these reviewers, they know stuff that's coming out before it actually comes out. And I'm, the, I'm one of them eating it up. This is what it's going to look like. This is what it's going to be. And I'm already like, man, I'm, I'm excited. I'm going to upgrade, do all of those different things. And I, I actually get all of that information. And I, and I just keep going at it, keep going at it. Just want more and more to know about this product. And I think I probably could be an Apple rep if I wanted to be. So, but the thing is, I know a lot about the Apple product. I'm very knowledgeable with the Apple product. If somebody came to me and said, Mike, what do you think about this iPhone? What do you think about this? What do you think about this MacBook, this iPad? I could tell you a lot about it. You would come to me. But if someone wanted to say, tell me about the gospel, could they come to you? Do you know 
a lot about the product. And I don't mean to put it in that kind of sphere as a demeaning type thing, but here's the reality. You and I have a message. And this is the only thing that's going to bring life. This is the only thing that's going to bring transformation. This is the only thing that's going to take someone out of darkness and bring them to the light. It's not going to be behavior modification. It's not going to be do this, do that. Maybe don't do this a little bit, do this a little bit more. That's not going to happen. The only thing that's going to bring a sinner to becoming a saint, the only thing that's going to bring somebody from the depths of hell to the plains of heaven is going to be the gospel. It's going to be the message. And are we ready to share that? Is somebody going to come up to us and say, tell me about the gospel and can we do that? Now, here's the thing. You don't have to go to Bible college for four years to tell the gospel, okay? You don't have to be perfect. And I think sometimes when we think about evangelism or we think about sharing Jesus, there's a perfection we have to have. The reality is, can God work through your imperfection? Yes, he can. And as I said before, God uses people to reach people. What keeps us from sharing Jesus, I believe, and which I've seen in my own life, is the fact that we don't spend time with Jesus. What keeps us from sharing the gospel is the fact that we don't continue in the gospel. How do we see the gospel? The way you behold the gospel in your life will determine what you will do with the gospel in the lives of others. If this message is truly the message that has brought you out of your darkness, if it's truly the message that has given you new life, that has changed your heart of stone and made it a heart of flesh, if this is the message, then guess what? You're going to want other people to know. You're going to want other people to know about this life-giving message. We understand the message. We must understand the message to share it. We must be in awe of the message to share it with all people. See, the gospel must grip us first so that it grips others. The gospel must reign in our hearts so that it moves from our lives and off of our lips. We must preach it to ourselves daily. It must be on repeat. And we must muse on the gospel. Does the gospel matter to us? Or has the good news become old news? Let me describe the gospel as I thought of my own self. The gospel is a supernatural, inexhaustible, deep, wide, vast, unmatched, unwavering, hope-filled, grace-saturated, mercy-dripping, sin-defeating, dynamic, explosive, peaceful, understandable, reviving, refreshing, recalibrating, relevant, liberating, convicting, sanctifying, courage-giving, powerful, transforming, life-giving, chain-breaking message. And when I think about it more and more and more, you could keep going on and on and on. The gospel does not have a bottom. So we keep going deeper and deeper into the gospel. And yet what that does is it builds bold, 
unashamed witnesses of Jesus because we are so convinced that the message is what people need. What you need, what I need, what the world needs. The Puritan Jonathan Edwards likened his reawakening to the gospel to a man who had known in his head that honey was sweet, but for the first time had that sweetness burst alive in his mouth. It's one of, the, one of my favorite facts or illustrations when I think about this gospel. Have you allowed the gospel to leave your head and hit your heart? There's one thing to articulate the gospel, but have you allowed the gospel to captivate your soul? Pastor J.D. Greer says this, the goal of the gospel is to produce a type of people consumed with passion for God and love for others. See, when we place before us the gospel over and over again, it will produce in us a people consumed with God and the work of God, which leads to us sharing Jesus. First, 2 Corinthians 2.2, 2, For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. All Paul wanted to know and place before him and to go deeper in was the gospel of Jesus. Paul was a bold witness for Jesus. Can we all agree with that? Man, you read the book of Acts and Paul's right there and then you read continually through it out. Paul was a person who really took evangelism by the throat. (laughs) He wasn't afraid. Even at times where he was about to be killed, he would still walk back into a place where they just stoned him left for dead, and he'd walk back in there because he believed that the gospel was good. He believed that the gospel was enough. He believed that the gospel was what the world needed, and yet at the sacrifice of his own life, he was willing to share the good news. I think about sometimes the first century Christians, if they were to live in our century. I don't know if that's an unfair analogy, or, but I think to myself, yeah, the world has given us a lot of comfort, a lot of ease. There's been times where, for some reason, church has been unnaturally accepted for a long time. And yet the first century church was so under persecution. They were under life and death situations. And sometimes I wonder if I was put in that situation myself, where would that faith be? Would I love the gospel more than I'd love my life? Would I want to see people come to Jesus if it cost me that? And yet we can still have that type of passion today. Though there's not a gun put to our heads, though there's not persecution at our door, we can still have that passion today. And I'm praying that in the next weeks to come, as I close here this morning, I want to bring us to kind of a decision Three responses to consider. But first, I want to give you God's heart towards man. 2 Peter 3.9 says this, The Lord is not slack concerning his promises, as some men count slackness. That's kind of me right there. That's the first part. <laughs> but is long-suffering to us word. Not, that, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Like if you think about that, not willing that any should perish, if he's not willing that any should perish, has God put in something for that to be true? And God has. And I said before, that's you. He's not willing that any should perish, i.e. you and me. 
the witnesses. See, our God is a rescuing and restoring God. And we don't have to see his heart all the way towards the back of our Bibles in 2 Peter. We see God's heart from, for mankind right in the beginning chapters of Genesis. As soon as Adam and Eve would come uh, to the temptation and sin, we see the first mention of the gospel. Genesis 3.15, And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. You don't have to go to the back of the book to see God's rescue plan in the beginning. God's heart towards man was right there in the beginning. In the beginning, grace. As soon as man messed up, there was already a lamb slain before the foundation of the world began. That's God's heart. That's God's heart for people outside of our church. Jesus Christ would come to crush the head of the serpent, defeat death, hell, and the grave forever so that we would not perish but come to repentance. And for us this morning who have come to faith in Jesus, we have been given this commission by the Lord to continue the rescue mission, to reach the lost, to share the good news. This is built in us. We are made for this mission. It's in our DNA. It's in our DNA. So here's three responses this morning to consider. Number one, we can deny the mission. We can deny the mission. I'll tell you right now, it's been, a while, it's been a long time for this for me. We can choose to not look at the parts of Scripture that pertain to evangelism and focus more on what we like. We can treat the Bible like a buffet and pick and choose what suits us. Number two, we can ignore the mission. We can put our heads back in the sand and ignore the fact that billions of people around us are lost. We could go on about our lives, letting Jesus take us to heaven and giving us fulfillment and meaning. But how can we do that now, knowing what we know? Ignoring truth doesn't change it. And here's our final one this morning. We can embrace the mission. We can embrace it. We choose to believe who God calls us to be. We place before us the gospel over and over again. We trust in God's power and courageously and radically take risks to further the kingdom of God. Number three is a scary one, but at the same time, you were built for it. Over the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about conversating with people. We're going to talk about how that you and I don't have to always have it right, right away. We're going to talk about how gospel Conversion sometimes comes with just longevity. It comes with just loving people. It comes with just being a friend. It doesn't mean you have to produce right away. And here's the thing, God's not looking for you to produce. He's looking for you to be obedient. He's looking for you to trust him. We have nothing to lose except for now. And I'm telling you, I know compared to getting your head chopped off back in the first century, I think is a good thing. But for you and I this morning, I'm praying that in the next couple of weeks, we embrace the mission. I'm hoping right now that you would see that the mission is, is what God has for us and that God is on the move. We have some great things happening in the, next, in the next weeks to come. Friend and Food Truck Sunday, 
let these messages encourage you to take some boldness, to take some steps to invite people. Easter coming up, one of the greatest days that we celebrate throughout the year. Wouldn't it be awesome to share Jesus? And so church, this isn't a backpack. This is just learning that this is what we're built for. And guess what? You're not alone. We all fail. We all have messed up. But let's do that together. Let's be a church that loves people, shares the good news of Jesus. It's good news. Don't let it become old news. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. So